Darren, worship team, thank you so much. Friends, please be seated. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, in worship talking about loud, obnoxious Hawaiian shirts uh, in the last few weeks, so I thought I'd wear one of more subtle ones, okay? And just in case I need another job, I can direct traffic with this shirt. How about just a little short one-question quiz? Now, some of us have to go back a little ways. This is a cartoon strip that started in the early 1970s. This cartoon strip became so political that it was often moved in newspapers from the comic section into the editorial page. Anybody have an idea yet? Doonesbury. Doonesbury, there we go. Now, I have to say, when I was in college in the early 70s, I really related to Doonesbury. Now, as I've matured a little bit, I'm not quite as aligned, but there are some things that we can learn through Doonesbury. And oftentimes, they, Doonesbury did this, or the author did a series on the Little Church of Walden. Remember some of those little strips, the Little Church of Walden, the pastor's talking? So I want to share with you one of those strips from Doonesbury. So here's Little Church of Walden. This is the pastor speaking. It's an interesting congregation, Mike. Members are far more consumer conscious than they used to be. The church has to deliver for its members counseling, social events, recovery programs, tutoring, fitness center. We have to offer it all. Where does God fit into this? God, well, he's still the draw for sure. He's got the big name. <laughs> but do you ever invoke it anymore? Um, frankly, Mike, God comes with a lot of baggage. That whole male, Eurocentric guilt thing. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Little Church of Walden has totally missed the point. We don't invoke God's name because of other issues. But, but what is the church but God? We have been going for the last weeks and actually the last two months looking at Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. And Paul is telling these members of this young church in Galatia, they've missed the point. They've lost sight of why they're a church and what does it mean to be in a right relationship with God. Now, if you remember back, we've gone through this over the weeks. Paul is writing to a group of churches in Galatia, which is now part of what we'd say is modern central Turkey. He had planted these churches some years before. We're not exactly sure when, but on one of his missionary journeys, he went into that region and, and shared the true gospel with the people in Galatia, these various cities in this area, this region. <clears throat> and the gospel for Paul was pretty straightforward. You're saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's it. Saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Now, most of the Galatians were um, Gentiles, um, probably at one point maybe worshiped false gods, but, but Paul comes in and he teaches, and these churches are planted, and they hold on to that very basic gospel truth. Grace, faith, Jesus, salvation. And Paul, earlier on in Galatians, uses Abraham as his primary example in just a, a couple of different sections, saying that God credited Abraham's faith as righteousness. God credited Abraham's faith as righteousness. And this happened 430 years before Moses, and the law came down from Mount Sinai from our Lord. And what Paul says in his arguments to the Galatians is, Abraham had faith before the law even started. 
And it's all about faith and the grace that God offers us through Jesus Christ. Saved by grace through faith alone. This group of people that are now coming in to, to the Galatia, they're sharing a different gospel. Paul even says it's really no gospel at all. And what they're sharing is it is Jesus plus. What they're saying is if you want to truly have that saving right relationship with Jesus, you have to follow all the rules, laws, and regulations of Moses. 613 laws, rules, and regulations. And what was being said is it's Jesus plus being, in a sense, Jewish. Paul offered freedom. The Judaizers, these that were coming in now later, are offering nothing but burdens and obligations and rules. And if you remember, over uh, the weeks, we've shared a few phrases. There is nothing that you could have done in the past that will make God love you less, and there's nothing you could do in the future that will make God love you more. We need to keep remembering that because sometimes we think it's about what we're doing and about how we act. God's still going to love us, period. And we also had a very simple formula, and I hope we never forget this one. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. <clears throat> Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. How often do we add in there? Jesus plus you can't wear ugly Hawaiian shirts equals salvation. Or maybe Jesus and you can only read the King James Bible equals salvation. Jesus, you don't dance equals salvation. Or you don't date, date or girls or boys who dance and equals salvation. You know, we tend in our humanists to think there's something more in there. And what Paul is saying to the Galatians, to us, there's nothing else in there. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. It's not Jesus plus the laws of Moses equal salvation. We need to continually be reminded of that, and that's the blessing we have. There's nothing else that can save except Jesus Christ. Now, Steve, a couple of weeks ago, how many of you were with us that Sunday? Yeah, it, it was fun. I'll, I'll, it was a fun Sunday. So Steve decided to do Let's Make a Deal, and he invited a, a young girl to join him up on stage, and uh, she chose, so Steve had a big box and a little bag and money. Steve had money. <laughs> and so he offered the young girl the choice between the big box and the bag, and she took the big box. I mean, it was big. And so Steve said, well, I'll buy the box from you. And he actually started putting out dollar bills. Now, there were moths flying off from him. And if you don't know Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve uh, ministered as lead pastor in this church for 20 years, dear friend of many of us, and he was with us earlier, and he said I could tell his stories, so this is good. And she still wouldn't take the money, and so she opened the box, and in the box was this little tiny rubber ducky that I'm sure Steve got for free somewhere. <laughs> and she literally threw it down. <laughs> do we do that sometimes? You know, we think of our faith journey and, and we go, oh gosh, if I just do this, everything's going to be perfect. But the reality is this is empty, totally empty. And that was Steve's reminder. We've got to stay focused on Christ and Christ alone. That's what matters, not that shiny big object. Now, I have to continue with Steve's story. So in this bag was like a gumball machine for M&Ms. And so when she saw that could have been one of her possibilities, she was disappointed 
Steve gave it to her after worship, okay? Oh. He didn't give her the money, though. Yeah, never. <laughs> and last week, Pastor Kurt got really into what I would say is kind of where does Galatians meet the road, the rubber on the road. It was a, a list of different behaviors and expectations if we say we're Christ followers. And in that, there was a list of things that if you weren't really following Christ, these bad things were happening in your life, a whole list of evil kind of behaviors and attitudes. But if you were following Christ, it was the fruit of the Spirit kind of this plus and minus, or minus and plus. And the one thing that Pastor Kurt said last week that was important, that as we look to living in to what we're learning through Galatians, we live out our faith in love. We live out our faith in love, and, and this is a critical one, we live our lives according to the Spirit and not the flesh. The Spirit and not the flesh. And what I loved what Kurt said last week is, if we really live out our faith and love and we live according to the Spirit and not the flesh, isn't that a little of heaven on earth? And is that really the way the body of Christ should be operating? Love and Spirit. Spirit and love. Well, now we had a couple of reminders over these last two months. Looking back to one of our earlier series called um, Faith Works, we looked at the, the book of James where James numerous times says that we are saved, excuse me, that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. James isn't saying we're saved because of our works, but what James continually reminds us in that very brief letter is that if we say we're a Christian, maybe our lives should start to look kind of like the teachings of Jesus. Maybe a little bit. And if it doesn't look that way, do we truly have faith? When I was in Tucson as an associate pastor, um, we had a university director who said, that's a little bit like going into a garage and going honk, honk and saying I'm a car. So faith without works is dead. If you say you're a Christian, but there's nothing in your life that reflects the teachings of Jesus, do you really, really have that faith? That's the challenge we have. And, and I used a Max Licato quote a few weeks back, and it was that God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you so much, he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be more and more like his son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God loves you, period. Period. But he loves each and one of us so much that he really wants more for us. He wants us to be more like his son. Now, we'll never be there this side of heaven. We're being sanctified, as I think, like one molecule at a time. But we are being sanctified. But once we get to heaven, we're there. And that's what God wants for you and for me. Now, this morning, we're continuing our look. We're going to be looking at all of chapter 6, the final chapter of Galatians. And I have to say, a little bit like uh, Kurt had last week, um, there's a lot of thoughts that are, that are going out very, 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 very quickly. Now, it's on page, it's, it's uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, it's on page 1816 in your pew Bibles, but it'll be up on the screen in a minute. But first, um, what Paul is doing is twofold this morning in chapter 6. Uh, one, he's just kind of given a whole lot of final instructions. And it's rapid-fire final instructions. Now, any of you take your kids to camp and they went on a bus to go, or you took your kids to camp? Any of you ever do that? Yeah. I, I remember our son, Eric, who's now 40, um, we took him to the Vashon Island Ferry 
and he was on a bus, and, and we're saying, Eric, Eric, now make sure you write us, be good, brush your teeth every day, and at least shower once during the week. And we're, we're yelling those, and we love you, and we're going to miss you. And, you know, it's great. We're getting all those instructions to him. But the other 40 parents are doing the exact same thing. He didn't hear a word I said or any of us said. And in a sense, I think that's what Paul's doing. You know, he's getting down to the very end of his letter. He knows that he's got to postmark it and get it out. Okay, okay, so the person delivering it was probably leaving. We don't know all the details, but clearly he had a lot more to say and not much time to say it, and it's just boom, 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 boom. And then the last part of the chapter today, his letter to the Galatians and to us, I think is really the key. And what Paul does is something very different to get our attention and to get the original reader's attention. So I'm going to encourage you Please uh, walk with me as we go verse by verse through this particular passage. And let me begin with prayer first. Uh, Lord God, we do thank you. We thank you that we are able to come here to give you glory and honor, to worship you, Lord. We thank you for this rich, wonderful letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And Lord, thank you that it has as much meaning to us here today as it did some 2,000 years earlier. Lord God, let your Holy Spirit illuminate our hearts and our minds. We might hear that message you have for us. And Lord, we might apply it in our lives each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we go. Rapid fire. Shotgun approach. Starting at verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. This is a wonderful concept that sometimes we make mistakes. And those of us that have more experience in faith should come alongside those who don't have as much experience and help them in their faith journey. That we walk together in this walk of faith. We're not alone. I'm sure all of us who have been walking with the Lord for a little while probably had somebody who was a mentor to us, someone who helped us early on in our journey. We probably could share a lot of different stories about that. But Paul is saying to the Galatians and to you and to me, if you see someone who maybe doesn't have as much experience, a little younger in the faith, maybe he's making a little mistake, gently and lovingly help them on their journey. We're not alone in this walk. But watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. So we're helping someone else, but maybe what they're doing looks like it's kind of fun. We got to be careful about that ourselves. Because we can be tempted. We are fallen sinners in need of God's grace and forgiveness. We are far from perfect. And so as we're helping others recognize, we might be tempted as well. Again, a cautionary note, this popcorn shotgun approach that Paul's using. He continues, carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Help each other. Help each other on the journey. The Judaizers, these people that Paul is writing in a sense against, these people who are sharing the gospel was really no gospel at all, they weren't lightening people's burdens. They were adding to them. 613 laws, rules, and regulations, that's a whole lot more than knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A whole lot more. And Paul's saying, so lighten people's burdens. Don't add to them. Help them along the way. Just to give you an example, I, I, I just love watching how the body of Christ operates. And Being a staff member, we get to see probably a little more at times than many of you get to see. We're here all the time. And uh, this is an example. So one of our parishioners' car was causing this person a lot of trouble. Old car, kind of getting by on a wing and a prayer and mostly prayer. 
and the car was having problems. And so we have another member of the church who's a really, really good mechanic. And uh, this person with a broken car couldn't afford parts. The mechanic really couldn't afford parts. But there were other people in the church who said, I'll make sure the parts get bought. And this person's car was put back together and is running okay. Not good, but at least it's running. Now, isn't that the way the body of Christ should work? We have somebody who has a need. We have somebody who has the mechanical gifts. We have somebody else who's willing to open their pocketbook to cover a few hundred bucks worth of parts. That's the way the body should work. That's carrying each other's burdens. And I love it. And we get to see that often through this body, just quietly helping. Can we do everything? No, but there's things we can do. And it's a blessing to see that. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Boy, oh boy, <clears throat> we look at those Judaizers. <laughs> and I think back about the, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector um, in the synagogue. And the, tax, or the Pharisee says, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that sinner down there, that tax collector. And the tax collector is going, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need your grace, please. Let's not think ourselves higher than we should you know, sometimes we might get a little haughty. I know Jesus, I'm going to heaven. Well, that's great. But don't lord it over somebody else. Lovingly share that gift that God's given through Jesus Christ. Don't lord it over. Each one should test their own actions. They take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And really, that's the, the same idea. We're not here to compare about, gosh, I've memorized two books of the Bible. Not, I haven't. Um, and you've only memorized one. That's not what we're called to do. We're called simply to walk in faith and to share that faith with others. Avoid those comparisons. For each one should carry their own load. Now, I like this. Earlier on, it says we're supposed to help others. We're supposed to help lighten burdens. But here it says we have personal responsibility. And I like that balance. If someone's in need, and we all may be in need at one time or another, help them. But also, be responsible for yourself when you're able to, and as much as you're able to, as much as you're able to. Now, continuing, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. That means you've got to make sure that Kurt and I are paid. I'm sorry. It was really funny because I, I was doing the same thing and, and Mary Kay was sitting right over here and she had her phone out and she was using the Amplified Bible, great Bible, and she's reading through it. I sit down and she goes, that really meant they're supposed to pay you, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is what it means, we share what we have. Just like the story of the car that was broken and somebody paid for it and somebody else had the mechanical skills, share the gifts you have with others. It's not ours anyway. We're just stewards of it. God kind of loans it to us, and, and we're supposed to be responsible with it and be generous with the money and gifts and talents we have and pay your pastors. Okay. <laughs> Continuing on seven. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. You know, the concept of sowing and reaping, I, I'm not a farmer. Um, we have four pots um, growing some things that I know what they are, and there's peppers, I have no idea what they are. But tomatoes, I, you know, you plant a tomato, you're probably going to get tomatoes. 
they're going to be really late here, but you're probably going to get tomatoes. And uh, the, that's a great illustration because if we're planting bad stuff and those around us in our own lives, we're getting bad stuff. If we plant good stuff, we're going to get good stuff. And here it is, eternal life. Now, we're not earning this. We're not earning this. Because if we think back that what Kurt said last week, that we live our faith out in love and we live our lives according to the spirit and not the flesh, then that's the natural consequence. We're going to sow good stuff and not bad stuff. And in continuing, let us not become weary of doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Perseverance. Now the faith journey, I, I'm sure all of you have never, ever, ever had a problem in life, right? You know, just because we know Jesus doesn't mean life is going to be easy. But it means when it's not easy and when it is easy, God's there with us. It means that we have that promise of life eternal when we die. It means we have a sense of community here and beyond the body of Christ. But persevere because it may not necessarily be easy. And most of the time, it isn't, this side of heaven. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know, our obligation is to help everyone. And we're called to go forth into all the world, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, teaching them, baptizing them. But we have even a greater responsibility to those of us here. It doesn't mean we don't go out there. It doesn't mean we simply focus inward. But it also means, as Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, you got to look to yourselves too. Don't only look out. Sometimes look in. And sometimes we look in too much and we forget they're out there. And what Paul's saying, you need to have that balance between being looking out there to needs beyond to looking here as well. It's a both and. And now, here's a, here's a huge shift as we move into the next chapter or the next part of this passage. And I think of this as sitting at the computer and there's something that I want someone to really, 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 really read. And so I go from 12 point to about 40 point. <laughs> Boom. And then I bold it, I underline it, and I italics it, and then I find a really funky looking font that you just have to read. And I think that's what Paul is doing here. Because up to this point in this letter, Paul has used a secretary. Paul's been transcribing, in a sense, to someone else who's actually writing this letter down, something Paul often did. We don't know who this person is. Not a clue, but someone is transcribing what Paul is saying. And Paul stops that process, and he says this. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Paul wants the Galatians and us to hear this last part even more than the rest. He's taken the time to write. Now, we don't know what was wrong with Paul. There's all kinds of suppositions. He simply had bad eyesight. He had cataracts. He had glycoma. We're not sure. We know Paul probably had some health issues that came up in other um, chapters and other issues, but Paul obviously couldn't write small. So he's taking time in his own handwriting to share with the Galatians and us, and here's what he's sharing. 
Those people who want to impress you by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Let me pause there for just a moment. Paul's using the illustration of circumcision. It's a a very physical um, aspect of what was required under those 613 laws, rules, and regulations. But Paul's not limited only to circumcision. What Paul is really saying is the circumcision and the other 612 rules, laws, and regulations. Because what the Judaizers are saying, you've got to meet every dot, jot, and tittle, every part of it, not just circumcision. So uh, we're, all, <laughs> we're all impacted by this language. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law that they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. What Paul is saying is these people are asking you to meet the law and all the jot and tittle of the law, and yet they're not even following themselves. And when you meet the law and try to do it, they can boast about what you're doing, even though they fail to even try to do it. It's important to recognize because Paul's talking about grace, not the law. And continuing, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's what matters. Not, and he says it in a moment, not circumcision or uncircumcision, but the relationship to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, period. And he continues, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. The new creation that we have in Christ not jumping through hoops, not following all the rules and regulations, knowing Christ as Lord and Savior. And as a result of that, we live our life according to the Spirit and not the flesh. And our faith is expressed in love and all that we strive to do, that little bit of heaven on earth. And then continuing, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. And if I think even the few Bibles say it, even to the Israel of God. And what Paul's saying is, Those who follow it, that's great, but also we've got God's chosen people who aren't following it yet. They haven't seen Jesus as Messiah. And Paul's saying, I really want them to see Jesus as Messiah too, even to the Israel of God. As he's sharing with the Galatians and sharing with us, his passion is all will come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And in finishing up, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters, amen. You know... This letter to the church in Galatia, it's talking about a group of folks who are missing the point. The the little church of Walden missed the point. It was like, God's in the way. We're kind of more of a social club YMCA. We don't need to deal with Jesus. He's got a lot of baggage. Galatians were missing the point as well. The, The letter to the Galatians, 45 times, the name of Jesus is used in one form or another. One-third of the verses in Galatians has some reference to Jesus, again, in one form or another. The focus is Christ. What's our focus? What do we talk about? What do we share with others? Where are we challenged? Now, clearly, little church of Walden missed, missed the point. The Galatians were missing the point. It's my prayer that each and every one of us won't miss it. It's about Christ and Christ crucified. That we are saved by grace through faith alone and not by works. 
But in the midst of that, we are called to live a life of love and to live by the Spirit and not the flesh. Amen.